swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues Control Issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. <laughs> this is Control Issues. <laughs> I am the AMC. And this is a dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. That dash is a hyphen to get hyped with us. Uh, you can go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. We got some new heat up there for you so you can watch Yours truly displaying his excellence, studying, figuring out, overcoming. That's what I'm about. Getting it's good. Getting good. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, is that the new shirt? Just all black, white lettering, getting good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did, like, I, I hate to get off of the intro a little bit, but you always hear people complain about being told to get good. Uh, and then you always hear people telling other people to get good, but you never hear anybody saying, you know what? I'm getting good. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm getting better. And I'm beginning to understand the philosophy behind it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's another topic of the week. But yeah, go on over to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for control issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it, do what you got to do. And head on over to Twitter. My control issues is the handle. Tweet at us. We'll tweet back. I, I promise. <laughs> we're, we're doing the best we can. We're just two dudes. Mm-hmm. AMC, how you living? I'm living well, A-Dub. Just uh, enjoying life. What more can I say? Playing some great video games. Uh, watched Get Hard last night for Black History Month. So How did you like it? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, everything I love about like a Will Ferrell movie, just now with Kevin Hart added into it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My my favorite part of Get Hard is after Will Ferrell makes the transformation, uh and he's like, he's got a crew. He's chilling in a. He's chilling. (laughs) He's like chilling at the at the trap house, (laughs) (laughs) and then the girl starts shaking her butt in his face. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) he like and. Like, just the whole world opens up before him. <laughs> He's like, there is, there were, there is blunts, there is alcohol, there are women shaking their asses. It was like such a primal experience. <laughs> just got caught up in the moment. <laughs> about to go ride on some fools. <laughs> oh, God. He, he does nothing bad. <laughs> Everything is so good. It's okay. Like I still have my copy of Talladega Nights on DVD. And get the get the inkling to fire it up. Yeah, it was uh, Step Brothers for me is the one that like just changed my life. Like I was like anything he does beyond this point is is gold now. And that's that's why every now and then I, I talk about people losing their dinosaur. Yeah, that's right. You gotta you gotta, you gotta go your fucking dinosaur. I used to I used to. Think I was a T Rex. I was, ah, 
I, I can't do it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, don't lose your dinosaur. Man, yeah, that that line completely reshaped my approach to adulthood. Uh-huh. While I was in the middle of like, you know, I think I'm getting up there. It's time for me to start getting my shit together. And then I heard that line. I was like, okay, let's not get our shit too together. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why like, uh, yeah, I'll always be playing i'll always be gaming it's never one of those things where it's like oh i got into reading the wall street journal and now there's no time for gaming (laughs) it's like there's always time for gaming as far as i'm concerned see it's things like that that make me wonder if just like if just like older generations of gamers is gaming gonna leave our generation behind or will our generation be lucky enough for gaming to continue to grow with it like in the sense that, you know, as time progresses, as technology improves, we find ways to enhance our ability to interact with software. You know, went from a D-pad and two buttons to now two analog sticks, a touchpad, adaptive triggers, rumble, uh, 3D rumble or HD rumble, whatever. An R1 Micro- and an R2? R1 and an R2. The sticks are buttons. The, the triggers are analog. And they're adaptive. <laughs> <laughs> and then pretty soon we're going to have paddles on the back, like as a standard. Uh-huh. And there's six axis tilting. It's got LEDs in it. <laughs> I, I, I could go on with all the things that a controller has done. But like, I, I imagine we're going to get to the point, maybe arthritis, maybe just old age in general. But is gaming going to? like find other ways for us to interact as effectively? Are we going to get to the point where we could just lay in the hospital bed with the PlayStation jacked into our brain? Is, well, is that, Elon that is, coming with the neural link hooking up to the PlayStation 6? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say like that's the beauty of um, like all this, all these efforts for accessibility. I know people are like, oh, like, like screw accessibility, you're wasting time. But it is one of those things that it, it, it makes gaming more available, more accessible to more people who might, might not have been able to play it before. And the one thing I will say, the reason why I, I wouldn't say gaming will ever leave us behind is because as we age, we just get more and more disposable income. And then that's just an entire generation of people who grew up on gaming that they would be leaving behind who would, who would have a ton of funds to give back to gaming. And so I feel like they'll always make space for us because they're going to always want that that money. Yeah, accessibility is a waste of time, except when I want an easy mode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't you want to sell to more people? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. hilarious. Uh, yeah, but speaking of video gaming, A-Dub, what you been gaming on? You know what I've been playing? Uh, I've been I've taking advantage of the current sale that's going on on PlayStation Plus. So I picked up two games. One I haven't fired up yet. Uh, what is it? Deep Sky Derelicts, the definitive edition. It's kind of a turn-based RPG style roguelike where I, I guess you're going on ships and you're addressing the situations that are going on in the ship. Like, I don't know much about it. I love the art style. I like that it's like turn-based JRPG style, but it's also card-based. So that's an interesting twist on the formula that I want to try. Like a, a card-based roguelike RPG. Yeah. 
sign me up. Um, but haven't fired that up yet. Looking forward to it. What I have been playing, which I'm very, very glad I have been playing. I put Neo to the side because once I fired up Curse of the Dead Gods, I couldn't put it down. So this was from a tip from one of my friends online. It was like, hey, this game just came out today. Went on PSN. It's 20 bucks, but PS Plus had a discount of like 10%. It's like, all right, 18 bucks. I love the art style. I'm looking at I'm looking at some gameplay videos. I like the way it moves. I like I like the content. I like the way that the I like the way that the gameplay looks. So boom, on a whim, purchase the game, fire it up because I at least want to give my online buddies some impressions of what the game is like in case they're also interested. Playing it and I'm just engrossed in everything it's doing. So Curse of the Dead Gods, it's a it's like a it's a dungeon crawling roguelike. It has that Diablo camera angle, that isometric. You're running through dungeons, you're taking on enemies, you're progressing to the end of the dungeon, you're killing the boss, and you're getting skulls, you're getting jade rings, you're getting blood emblems. These are your currency that's gonna unlock more the blood emblems are gonna unlock more levels of the game until you eventually unlock the final level where you can complete the dungeon. Uh, the jade rings unlock weapons you know, weapons and equipment that you'll be adding to your pool of randomized items that appear when you select from the altars, when you go through the dungeon and you're defeating enemies, when you're purchasing things from some of the various rooms that support that. And then the crystal skulls unlock other things such as the altars themselves that give you your starting weapons, uh, what kind of weapons will be on there and your perks that you can slot into your character as you progress of the dungeon, they give you various beneficial effects. While you're progressing, as you, you know, take damage from enemies, as you move from room to room, you're accumulating, like, I want to say curse energy because I've been watching Jujutsu Kaisen and that's the only reference of curse that I have in my, in my immediate thoughts. I love that show. Everybody should be watching that if you're in the anime. But uh, yeah, you're accumulating corruption is what it's called. And once your corruption meter fills, you pick up a curse. Once you pick up uh, four curses, there's a final curse that gradually drains your hit points down to one. So along that way, the other four curses are completely random. There are things that can either be completely detrimental, somewhat detrimental, uh, somewhat detrimental and somewhat beneficial, and ones that are either somewhat beneficial or mostly innocuous. <laughs> so there, you know, you'll get cursed, you'll dread the experience, but depending on what pops up, it's like, oh, I can work with that. Oh, I can work around that. Oh, that sucks. Like that kind of progression. So you have to worry about that as you're moving to the dungeon. You also have to worry about light and dark. Uh, I believe you take more damage in the dark. And there are things that modify that. You're going to get weapons that have different attributes. It's a roguelike. It's got RPG elements. You know what the story is. I love the art style. Reminds me a lot of Darkest Dungeon. Uh, even the audio effects, I feel like they're using the same library there. And the gameplay is tight. It's, it, it's, I just want to keep playing it because it's, the more I play, the better at it I get. At first, I was 
dog shit on that game, man. I was getting killed by just the the lackiest of the enemies. I'm trying to dodge. I'm trying to parry attacks, but my timing, I just don't understand the game's rhythm. But after playing for a couple of days over a generous amount of hours, I'm dishing it out more than I'm receiving it. Uh, I went from, you know, only being able to get a few rooms, few rooms deep to dying at the first boss to beating all three of the level one dungeons. This morning, I beat all three of the level two dungeons, and you can check that out on twitch.tv slash control issues pod, where I beat the last two dungeons. Each one on my first go, which was weird, because it's in the level one dungeons, you progress, you get to the boss, that's the end of the dungeon, get your currency, go back to the beginning, do your little home base upgrades if applicable jump back in the dungeon you know you could keep rerunning the ones that you've already beaten if you want to farm them for your upgrade currencies or you can step up and try to take on the the higher level dungeons so the level two dungeons they have the bosses from the level ones and then you have to go through another layer of it to get to the level two boss so it's it's not so much it's not that you're going from one level to another level. It's that as you're progressing that first level where you just got a taste of it, it's expanding and you have to be able to complete the entire run of it <laughs> in one go. And I'm getting there, which is awesome. Uh yeah, man. And on top of that, it even has daily challenges and it's a maximum of three of them. You can do that. It has a higher payout in so far as crystal skulls because you get crystal skulls for every room you progress through and you get a bonus of crystal skulls if you complete that challenge. They have their own like unique and individual set of circumstances. I think there was one challenge I played where your only weapon was a bow and arrow and it's like accumulating corruption at the same time so like with every shot it accumulates corruption so you have to be on target and pick your shots so things like that you beat it the following day a new random challenge comes up so that's a good way to make currency if you're trying to upgrade faster overall i i wasn't looking for this game i was waiting for what is apparently the better the better game of this type, which is Hades. I'm hoping that comes to PS PS5 or PS4 at some point. But yeah, wasn't expecting Curse of the Dead Gods. Bought it on a whim on its day one, so I'm glad I supported it in that way as well. Ended up falling in love with it. So that just goes to show you, you never really know where your favorite games are going to come from. So always be open to something new. Always be open to a suggestion. And if something looks good enough, give it a shot. Might surprise yourself. But AMC, what have you been playing? Oh, man. Uh, two games, same two games as I said last week. Uh, the big one being Super Mario World 3D or Super Mario mm. 3D World. Mm. Um, put, put a little more into that. So I beat the first two worlds now at this point. So now I got, I have enough of, uh, I have enough experience to say that this game is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, everything that I wanted, everything I've been waiting for. I've played uh, as each character now just to see the different attributes. I mean, the main thing is Luigi 
he has all his like issues, which is he can jump super high, but he's a little slippery when it comes to to moving around. Um, Mario, he's the most he's the most balanced of all the characters as usual. Uh, Toad, he's a little faster. Um, I, I guess he has a shorter jump. I'm not, I haven't really noticed that. But and then Princess, she has the Mario two attributes of being that she's able to glide, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, I've gotten different suits now, so they give you right out the gate. They give you that cat suit with the you get the bell, and then you put on the cat suit, and then you can run up walls. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, but now I've also gotten the the tanuki suit, so that's back, and that is absolutely killing it. Um, they got the fireball, which is really cool, and I'm hoping that there's plenty more to come. I'm thinking there might be a, a Hammer Bros or, or maybe a Boomerang Bros uh, suit coming down the line. But everything I've experienced is absolutely great. The first boss battle was awesome. Um, Marissa and I had to like work together to take down that boss. Um, and there's a lot of incentives to go and replay levels. They did what they do in the, in the previous games in that um, in this one, they have stars that you can get. There's three stars for every level and they're hidden throughout the world. And what makes it a little tougher too is that I guess in single player, you can control the camera. So like flip it around to get a better camera angle. Whereas in uh, two player co-op, you can't control the camera at all. So you kind of just have to have an idea or just be more observant of where that star could be hidden uh, because it could be behind a wall. It could just be at a weird angle that you have to like adjust the camera for. And so you kind of just have to be a little more aware of those situations, but we've been able to find every star. It's just, it, it takes a little bit of investigating uh, to get them down. And the level design is absolutely awesome. There's one level where uh, we both had to ride on a dinosaur and what was tough, and I can't even imagine if it's four players, is it's like rowing a boat where everybody, both of us have to work in unison. So we're both pushing to the right. We're both pushing to the left. And if one pushing is pushing one way, one's pushing the other, then the dinosaur won't react. And so you have to communicate um, the best route to take, when to jump, and all those things in order to be able to uh, get everything on the level of the hidden like items. Uh so yeah, there's there's just everything that you would want in a Mario game. They have all the things that you love from Super Mario World and Super Mario 3 are all in this game. And then just some of the things that we enjoy about even Super Mario 64 or the 3D, the three 3D aspects of um, Mario games is is there too. So it's just a hodgepodge or a blend of everything that is great about Mario and then now giving it a co-op experience. So it's absolutely amazing. Uh, the other game I've been playing, Fire Emblem, uh, Three Houses. Man, I can't even like talk about what's going on because it's so spoiler heavy. But let's just say, like, I got to. I'm now in part two of the game, and the way the the game has gone, and they're they're. I'll say I've, up to this point, I've had maybe three moments where I had to make a choice and it says the choice that you make will drastically change the trajectory of the game. And <laughs> like, you know, usually it's like, like people are always like, oh, like false, false choices don't really make a difference. This game, I'm pretty sure that I could be playing a completely different game right now based on like some of the choices I made or, or I was given and the choice that I ran with. And what's beautiful about this game is 
I don't even know if I made the right choice. Like, I don't even know if I'm the bad guy <laughs> now at this point. <laughs> they go Darth Revan you. <laughs> yeah, because I made I made a choice to go with this person over this person. And so the way the game goes is that there are the three houses. There's the Empire, the Kingdom, and the Alliance. Um, and I chose my my house that I wanted to, to be a part of. And I had a point where I could choose to basically go against my house or go with my house and i made a choice and the choice that i made now what's going now what's going on is my team is now trying to basically take over the entire kingdom so all three houses make up the entire kingdom and i'm on a quest to basically take out the other two houses and now exercise my control over the entire kingdom the problem is that i made my choice because um some things that were given to me uh narratively and just some questions i had about uh some of the characters that i was working with and so because of that um i'm now going against those characters and they seem to be i seem to have made the right choice as far as the um the ethics of that character and the questionable ethics of that character. But I almost feel like the side that I chose is going too far because I'm, you know, I'm all about diplomacy. I, I, I'd like to see the three houses work it out. Um, and this idea that we're just going to conquer the other two houses and then just be the one house that rules over the entire kingdom seems a little like authoritarian. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, it's, it's pretty crazy. And that's what I love about it is because it is very gray. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure if I'd stayed with the other side, knowing what I know now, I would also be upset with that choice. So it's just, it's, it almost gives me that feeling of um, when you, when you would play mass effect and you'd make a choice and you know, he doesn't uh, read exactly what you're prompted with. You just make the choice. And then Shepard would just all of a sudden like pull a gun on somebody. And you're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. like I didn't want to pull a gun on him. I just didn't want to agree with them. And yeah, it seems like it's, it's going that far, but um, yeah, I am absolutely loving this game. Uh, there's some things that this game is doing that is on par with uh, some of the, the world changing events of Final Fantasy VI that I absolutely appreciate. Like, it's just, I did not see the game going in this direction, but I'm absolutely loving the ride that I'm on. Um, so, yeah, I'll have more about that next week. But, a dub, let's get into the topics of the week. Top topics of the week. Yeah, this is going to be a, a heavy Sony episode, a dub. <sighs> Um, because Sony has been moving weight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just out here in these streets, <laughs> just slanging it, <laughs> stringer bell in that shit. Uh-huh. So you oh, know what? Um, should we should we lead off with the uh, the big event? How do you want to do this? We might have to lead off with the big event. I feel like that's the proper introduction, and then we can get into the smaller bits along the way. All right. Well. The big event being Sony announced and it's past that they were going to have a state of play this week. Oh, yeah. Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So here we are, Control Issues, discussing Sony's long-awaited state of play. So, yeah, let's run through these games, A-Dub. You want to just go game for game? Um, I just took down a couple i didn't write them all down um I, i'm pretty sure the ones that you want to discuss are the ones that i wrote down so it's perfect so you want to lead off with the first game 
First game. I mean, I think they let off with some Crash stuff. So Crash 4, it's about time. It's getting some new content. It's about time. It's about damn time. (laughs) (laughs) The DLC. Uh, uh, The developer of Hyperlight Drifter showed off their new game, Solar Ash, which is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. If you've ever looked at it, don't be skating. (laughs) Don't be smoking. Don't be ashing. (laughs) It's a lot of skating. It it looks colorful, colorful and wonderful. I mean, if you've ever seen Hyperlight Drifter, then you know their general art aesthetic and color palette. It's very similar, but, you know, this is taking place in a more traditional 3D environment. So it looks more grand in scope and just more alive. Um, you know, gameplay looks interesting. I don't know too much about the game and I, I haven't really been paying attention to what's going on with this particular one. Like I've seen animals, I've seen you like reactivating lights in a pillar, but I don't know. So AMC, do you have any additional information on Solar Ash or anything you want to add about it? Nah, I mean, uh, it's one of those games that it looks like a, a fun game. Um, it's all about movement, like the, like a third person, a, a little bit of a stretch, but a third person Mirror's Edge style of game where you're constantly moving and they do throw enemies at you and you can take them out as you're moving. But it's all about the movement in this game. And as they stressed, uh, I have nothing more to say. It looks like a fun game, but you know, not really on my radar as of yet. Well. Let's see what is on your radar. Would you happen to be checking for Knockout City? Knockout City. Uh, we did see this game in the Nintendo Direct. Um, no, that's also not on my radar. <laughs> I, it looks it looks interesting. I like that they're doing something different with online multiplayer. Like it it looks fun. It looks creative. There's plenty of mechanics and things going on to where you could have a straight up technical pvp matchup you can have a a 3v3 you can have one versus one there's all kinds of different throws and things like Like basically it's it's multiplayer dodgeball in urban settings with you know like levels with obstacles and things and you're fighting against the other team you're trying to hit each other with dodgeballs to knock each other out you can catch the ball which makes the ball stronger when you throw it back at the person who threw it back at you if you don't have a ball but you have somebody on your team they can curl up into a ball and function as a ball. I thought that was pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, and then there's all kinds of different throws and lobs and just all manner of means for you to be able to knock somebody the fuck out, as Chris Tucker might say. Uh, overall, it's not something that I would personally be interested in, but I do admire just the, the creativity involved with making something like that. Um, I, yeah, and I also like that they let off with... Um or at least they let you know that they are going to have a demo and it will be cross-play. So it seems like cross-play is almost like a given, at least for some games at this point, which is nice. You could play a little bit for free. You could play with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Yes. Um, Let's discuss a game that we have seen before, but we saw a little bit more. It was Showcase, a game that got delayed recently. (gasps) We saw a little bit more of Returnal. Yes, we did. So, what did you think about this? Well, as AMC noted, it has been delayed. It got pushed from its March release date to April 30th. I'm starting a rumor right now. They did it because of Disco Elysium. Allegedly. 
<laughs> but overall, I mean, I was sold on Returnal since day one. It's Housemark. It's a third-person shooter. It's sci-fi. It's roguelike. It's Sony exclusive. I mean, the only other thing they could have possibly done is like if the main character was was Naomi Harris or something, and I would have been fine. But you know, other than that. Yeah, completely sold. Every time I see the game, it looks better. It makes more sense to me the more I see unbroken clips of gameplay. And I'm interested in some of the other aspects of the game that they played up. So you guys know how Roblox work. In general, they're very short games. However, they're also very difficult to the point that you need to play them repeatedly in order to learn better how to survive longer in order you to eventually make an unbroken string of success from beginning to end in order for you to quote unquote finish the experience. So that's going to be the experience that you're getting here with Returnal, but you're also going to be getting an experience that emphasizes its exploration and its story a bit more than you might be used to with the genre uh, for the story bits. Your character, her name is Celine. Uh, she encounters uh, a familiar house, her house. And over the story bits, she goes inside, she walks around, she's looking at memories, she's, she's looking at things that give her memories that she makes comments about. Uh, that's when the game switches from third person to first person in order to make everything feel more like you're experiencing it through her eyes, according to Housework. Uh, again, this stuff very much interests me because it's just, I love all the different kind of ways and means that you can emphasize elements within a roguelike while still maintaining that highly replayable, tough as nails, you know, getting additional advantages, but nothing that ever really tilts the odds completely in your favor, like that kind of experience. I always love to see it. I'm very excited about this. If I can somehow wrangle a PS5 in March or April, and this will definitely be a day one along with Disco Elysium. AMC, how did you feel about Return? Yeah, this game, um, I will say it was a game that I was interested in and it's been upgraded to completely on my radar. Um, definitely want to buy this game. Um, you know, Housemark, there was that whole thing of where they said arcade is dead and people kind of took that as like almost like 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 fuck the community you're not supporting us anymore so now we got to change our ways up but after seeing this this trailer it almost i now take it as it was them saying we're about to level up and so the company that you knew us as is no longer we're no longer going to be that same company when it comes to the type of games that we're developing and because it still has all the addictive fast twitch um arcadey feel great gameplay that you would expect from housemark but then everything else now has been taken to the next level as far as as you mentioned the story the higher production value like this looks like a high quality game it doesn't look like an arcadey you know the the typical arcadey 2d style of game that they might have put out before and so because of that it just it seems like they're almost they were saying we kind of 
fell into this rhythm and we needed to break out of that to then become something more and with this this is definitely it seems like they know exactly what they wanted to be and this game is perfectly translating that now to i think the community and so i i think people who are interested in this style of game like the the first that i had was like oh this is like everything that i love about doom but now in third person as far as like the movement and the crazy action but now i see my character um and i have a better lay of the environments and um so it just has everything that i love about that game but now in this roguelike procedurally generated style of game and because of that and because of the environments that i saw and just the way that this game was presented um i'm expecting big things now and i'm super excited for this game to drop it's characteristically housemark. You see that through and through. I mean, when you're looking at the gameplay, if you're familiar with their previous projects, I, I can immediately see the influence of Resogun and the influence of Matterfall all over Returnal. And on top of that, I feel like housemark could have easily have gotten away with making Returnal another isometric kind of game same game, but just that isometric angle where it's a little character and you can see the whole field, like that kind of roguelike, a sci-fi dungeon crawler, basically. But this, it's, it immediately stands out because they've pulled that camera down and put it back behind the player. It just, it's something that, at least me personally, I've never seen anything like this from them, uh, thanks to that Sony funding to get that PlayStation Studio stamp on it. You know, these production values are out of this world. And I, honestly, I think all this seriously benefits Housemark because now it's really showcasing what they're truly, what they're truly capable of rather than what they themselves prefer to do. So, you know, it's, it's, it sucks that the arcade style of games that they do want to make weren't pulling in the revenue for them that they needed in order to keep staying in that business. But at the same token, it's also kind of a gift because now it's pushed them out of their comfort zone and pushed them to making Returnal, which looks outstanding. And what, I, what I'd also say, like what we were discussing in the pre-show is I almost feel like it, it kind of pushes the bar of what we think roguelikes look like um because you would look at this game and if you didn't read about it you wouldn't know that it was a roguelike <laughs> just based and on you the would you would have feelings <laughs> yeah. on, that, on that first day after you dropped 70 bucks <laughs> exactly and so um what i love about it is it does like push the boundaries of how what we can see or what we view these games to look like and play as and i love that because it just shows that what next gen can possibly bring to this franchise to take it to another place. Absolutely. Let's talk about another game. Let's talk about another game. Talk about our world just a little bit. I was impressed with it. I mean, our world Soulstorm. I'm sure you guys know we've seen this before in previous state of plays last year. So not going to bore you with the details. However, seeing it this time, I, I was immediately reminded of Shadow Complex because there was there were just bits where there's a character in the background shooting at your character in the foreground. I was like, oh, shit, the Shadow Complex. <laughs> it, it definitely looks the part. 
the gameplay looks interesting with you upgrading and commanding your minions and it, it looks fun it looks silly it looks weird that's always something that gets my attention uh, personally i don't think i'm ever gonna pull the trigger on it but i'm glad that it exists amc how'd you feel about Oddworld? yeah it looks good looks great um yeah i i don't know if i would actually purchase this game um but I think the people who are interested in this game are going to love it. There were aspects of um, Inside where you were, where you were like you're the main character and you got um, people that you were trying to free that acted like um, I guess the uh, the prisoners that was it Abe Abe what's his name Abe <laughs> Azkaban I don't know. yeah whatever the the main character's <laughs> name in. the prisoner Azkaban <laughs> yeah the uh, the Odd World dude. Um, oh Abe yeah. Yeah, like he, uh, the people that he's trying to free, like there are aspects of that in Inside, and I enjoyed that part of the game. And this looks like it takes that and just makes an entire game out of it. And the the traps and the puzzle solving that you need to do while also worrying about platforming and fighting off enemies, it's a it's a good blend uh, for this style of game. Um, it, you know, like almost like when you think about like lemmings or whatever like a simplified version of this of that of this game um it's it's definitely doing some some different things but things that are also familiar at the same time and has a great presentation all that good stuff i just i never really got into the odd world uh franchise and so yeah this game just isn't one that immediately appeals to me but i could totally see people really enjoying this game what we got next World, we did return all. I think well, we also had Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. Yes. So we've seen this before, but honestly, I I really paid more attention this time. They showed off a lot more combat. They showed off some story elements. They showed off the game world and the cutscenes. It looks it looks almost strangely well done. Like it's. It's one thing with the gameplay and stuff. It's a game that I could kind of be interested in at some point, but insofar as the raw visual quality and just the amount of detail that they packed into this game, it almost looks a little too good to be true to me. It's, it's almost movie quality, like Disney Pixar level. Like, how did you feel when you were watching Kenneth? Yeah, it looks like a great game. Um, I'm, I'm completely interested in it. It's a definitely... Uh, it's one that I would consider purchasing. I do want to see more from the game, but as far as the combat, everything I've seen so far, it all looks interesting, looks good. Um, I, I, I kind of just need to like read more about like as like more details of the game are revealed, read more about it. But the gameplay I've seen so far, the combat I've seen, the uh, the, the creatures and characters within the world, they all look good. Um, and so yeah, I just want to see what the gameplay looks more like because right now it seems like they've shown us little aspects here and there um but not like a full not like a full like five minutes of solid gameplay where you're like okay i can see how the loop is going to work with this game but the aspects of it that i have seen broken up have all looked interesting and have looked really well done i'll say yeah absolutely so this is definitely one to watch it's coming out for ps4 and ps5 in August. And then we get to the big one, Ames. There you go. It was a pretty short state of play. Showed us some familiar stuff, but it also showed us some new stuff in some familiar stuff. <laughs> yes, Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
integrate. It's been announced for PS5, so this is the version that PS4 owners will be upgrading to when they move to their PS5s. And in addition to the integrate, which brings with it just uh, what a performance mode and a graphics mode, completely improved graphics. They did some side-by-side -side shots with Cloud walking through Micker on the PS4. He's walking, it's daylight outside. You know, no big deal on PS5. He's walking. He looks much more high quality. Number one, his hair moves in the wind much more fluidly. There's volumetric god beams of light peeling through the upper reaches of Midgar, reflecting on it. it. It's unbelievable. It's religious almost. So look forward to a graphical boost, a performance boost on PS5 for Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, but that wasn't it. They weren't done. They had a little extra for you, a little DLC. That's right. They brought your girl back, AMC. You know who I'm talking about, AMC. They brought Yuffie back, AMC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for all of us older gamers, who remember the good old days of the original PlayStation playing Final Fantasy VII, the first Final Fantasy to not be on a Nintendo platform after that whole after that whole shakeup when PlayStation entered the game with the CD-based medium. We was playing Final Fantasy VII. We were running around outside of Midgar. We were getting into random encounters, and randomly, Yuffie would pop up, and we'd have to get her to join the team. And then she would be a playable character in our party. So a little bit of the same kind of happens here. I mean, you're going to get Yuffie. She's going to get at it. But this time it's a little different because Yuffie's got missions. You got some story with your girl. And she's also running around in a Moogle outfit. So there's just so much Final Fantasy, like little Easter eggs, fan service going on here. I'm excited about this. AMC, how did Yuffie? That was great. Um, I already own uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Haven't touched Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, so you own Final Fantasy VII Remake in a great? Yeah. So, yeah, knowing that I have a free PS5 upgrade, which I was hoping was going to be the case, uh, coming, that's now, I guess, push back my timeline of when I need to play this game um, because I definitely want to now be able to appreciate this on the PS5. Um, as A-Dub mentioned, I just pulled from IGN. Uh, includes improved textures, fog effects, lighting, faster load times, photo mode, support for the DualSense controller's haptic feedback, which you know about oh, that feedback. I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so being able to enjoy all of that in Final Fantasy Remake uh, is something that now I feel like I I don't want to play the quote-unquote lesser version of the game <laughs> on the PS4. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, something that I'm looking forward to in the fact that it's also going to have DLC for Yuffie. That's something that... Uh, one thing with myself is whenever DLC comes out for something after I've beaten a game, it is almost a given that I will never go back and play that dlc mm -hmm. i'm just not one of those people when i beat a game i'm usually done with it i mean so, horizon zero dawn i still haven't played the frozen wild Think yeah about it all the time <laughs> never bring myself to do 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so ideally, yeah, if this DLC is out, maybe I'll scoop that up when I start Final Fantasy Remake and then just play it all in one, like, in one, not one session, but, you know, in one playthrough uh, all together, as opposed to breaking it up and coming back and then seeing what Yuffie's all about. Um, so, yeah, I love everything that they announced here with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, I'm glad that they're already supporting this for the PS5 and... Um, yeah, we'll have some more Final Fantasy VII remake news later in the episode. Yes. So that pretty much covers it for the Sony State of Play presentation. Yeah, you missed a huge game. What? That's Sifu. Oh. <laughs> Damn. And I was thinking about that at the top of the segment, too. I was like, oh, we're going to get to Sifu. Yeah, because right when you said uh, we got we got some the big ones now, I was like, uh, he's about to come up with Sifu. <laughs> nah, I right, Sifu big for us. I don't know how other people are gonna feel about it. Yes, because they they ain't out there scene painting like we do. <laughs> <laughs> They're not looking for the for the perfect canvas. Yes, uh, you want to talk about Sifu real quick? Yeah, damn right, I want to talk about Sifu. <laughs> so, no, you're not hearing me incorrectly. I'm saying Sifu. I'm not saying seafood. So get off of that. Uh, Sifu is a game from the developers of Absolver. And I'm looking for their name. Hopefully I can find it at some point. But slow clap. Slow clap. So Sifu looks like it's the combat system pulled from Absolver and put into a game that embraces Chinese culture, Chinese history, while also putting you in a modern contemporary setting where you're just whooping everybody's ass for no disclosed reason whatsoever. So when the trailer starts out, you're you're in your dojo, you're centering yourself, grounding yourself, and then it cuts to the player character walking into a hallway, a la Daredevil, going down that hallway and proceeding to take out all the thugs in the hallway in beautifully done martial arts mastery. I know talking slamming people's heads against tables and doors and kicking dudes in the face and the blocking like it 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 looks like it looks like you're playing an animated film, like an animated kung fu flick. I know a lot of games can kind of simulate that, but I feel like this is the game that's finally like mastering that mold. So yeah, all they really showed was the character just beating up people. And then there was there also seemed to be some suggestion that perhaps the course of the game will take place over several years of your character's life because you go from being like young and strong to being like old and wizened, but you're still whooping everybody's ass. Like you're you go from beating up just groups of people to fighting like individual highly skilled warriors in your older age. So I'm hoping that's also some form of progression, maybe tougher battles in more scenic locations with, with greater variability. Oh, I mean, actually I have some uh, details on that. So please, um, please. <laughs> let's hear pull straight from IGN. Sifu is a new action game that promises a unique take on the Kung Fu genre that will literally turn the student into the master as each time the player character dies, they, revi- they are revived slightly older and more skilled. 
What? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So in a way, like what we were like what we discussed when we um talk about getting better at roguelike games, you're actually seeing the progression on the character because you're a little wiser as you come back into that scenario. You're a little older. Um, one, one other detail, players will also be able to choose the gender of the main character. <laughs> I know. And in line with the metaphor of aging, there will be some evolution in the main character's design as Sifu progresses, but don't expect an in-depth character creation suite. So, oh, oh an in depth. Okay, I yeah, in depth. Uh, so that's a uh, that's that's very interesting, but yeah, that's the idea, insane. I know it's like, like kind of almost I like part roguelike, yeah, <laughs> but like roguelike in it because they said you come back, you come back a little older and more skilled. So that's making me think that when you get defeated, maybe you like you unlock more techniques or better techniques. Is that, that was a thing. That was a thing with, um, and who knows the influence, but uh, that was a thing with Absolver. Is as you defeated people, you learn like new fighting styles and new techniques. Um, so that might be a gameplay mechanic that they are adapting to this game, where you like, yeah. might pick up like new moves or things along those lines. Who knows? Well, I feel that would make sense because if. If you're getting better at the game, you're and you're you're playing it right. You're defeating people. You're probably banking experience so that when you get defeated and come back a little older, you can likely spend that experience on new techniques and new passive abilities and things that are going to make you more effective when you go out in your older age. So I, I can see that working. So I overall. That sounds phenomenal. That is a new and creative idea. That's something I'm on board with. I'm already in love with the combat system and just knowing that like I'm I'm going I'm going to have that feedback of my progress visually as yeah. my character ages. Like I'm I'm hoping the hair color changes over time, going gray to go white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, be awesome too. Like even like uh yeah, like wrinkles, even like scars, just because like you have more more fights under your belt, and so like it's also showing up on you in a way. <laughs> I I like it if they could somehow make it so that you get slower, but your technique gets better. Mm, yes, <laughs> like you, like you get stronger to a point. And then like it kind of degrades a little bit later and then you get you get slower, but it's just you have more options in mm -hmm. a given situation. Like you can just the way you understand how to hit somebody, like you exert less force, like you, you use less stamina when you attack. <laughs> 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 this this I mean, just by looking at it, it already looked like one of my dream games come to life and just hearing that little bit of information about it it's 100 something greater than i could have dreamed of so i'm the, the most excited for sifu super excited for returnal kind of excited for ps5 final fantasy kind of excited for kenna <laughs> that, that integrated <laughs> that integrated <laughs> Oh man, this yeah, this is an okay state of play. Yeah, how'd you feel about it overall? I thought it was good. Um, I told you my barometer when I think of state of plays or any of these like Nintendo Directs, whatever. Um, 
if I can walk away with one game that I would buy, then it's a it's a it was a successful event. And yeah, I walked away with three games. I already bought one: Final Fantasy VII Remake, Returnal, and Sifu. So that's three games that I could totally see myself playing in the future. And because of that, I would totally say that it was a complete success as far as uh, Mm. events go. Mm, Would you now? (laughs) Because we got some other opinions. Yeah, he got some more input. Yeah, people who really know what they're talking about AMC. Uh, we got your troll of the week, troll of the week, troll of the week, troll of the week. So, as you could probably guess, these trolls are coming sideways. It's Sony's state of play, February 2021. Like to hear it. Here it go. First troll says. What a pathetic, disappointing presentation. (laughs) Next troll says, so basically the only thing good was the free PS5 upgrade for Final Fantasy VII. The rest was garbage that could have been announced through a tweet. Garbage. Garbage. Returnal. (laughs) Garbage. (laughs) Sifu. Garbage. (laughs) Final Fantasy VII. That's the only thing I like. Yeah. Next show says, just imagine how awful all those pro Sony gamers must feel after this disaster of an event. Disaster? Yeah, I know. I found shit to buy. I don't know what you're talking about. Next show says, this state of play confirmed that I'll be playing a lot of good games in 2021 on my Switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next troll says, Pony Defense Force desperately trying to justify their worthless paperweight. You know about that, Pony Defense Force? <laughs> that that could have just been Joel Louis. Uh, uh, the Pony Defense Force? <laughs> paperweight. The heavy-ass paperweight. Next troll says, very boring lineup. As always, it will take about four years before you get any worthwhile games. Hence why there's no point buying a PS5 for a few years. Hints. Hints, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing to say about that one. It's like, dude, okay, wait. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Nobody is trying to make you buy a thing. Like, Why are you trying to make other people not buy a thing that they want? Whatever. Wow. Glad I missed it. Looks turd. He missed some great games. <laughs> yes, you did. Next show says the bar set by Nintendo Direct wasn't even that high. But somehow, for some reason, Sony decided to not even meet it. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, you, you had the layup and you airballed, Sony. What are you doing? <laughs> Next show says, when you think about it, this show wasn't that bad. I mean, compared to Bill Cosby drugging you and who knows what else, the state of play was tolerable. I like to look at the bright side. Watch you end up in jail in in fucking Bill Cosby's butt. <laughs> Making you drink bathtub gin, sleeping mm-hmm. on the bottle. <laughs> uh Next show says, this is pathetic. I've owned every PlayStation console since PlayStation 1, but now I'm wondering if I should bother with PlayStation 5 at all. Well, you probably should. (laughs) Because if you think that that show was pathetic, then 
you you just need to reevaluate your whole life because I don't think gaming's for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude. Yeah, it's not the best show ever. They didn't show you all the biggest games that they're ever going to release over the next seven years, but they showed you what's coming in the short term, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not that bad. Like, really, Returnal looks awesome. We got Sifu coming out of nowhere, looking fantastic. Final Fantasy VII being upgraded for PS5 and PS5 exclusive DLC. We got we got new IPs, new ideas. All kinds of stuff is going on. Be happy. You still got stuff coming. You still got Ratchet coming. You didn't see Ratchet today. Mm-hmm. Still got Gran Turismo coming. You didn't see Gran Turismo today. We got Elden Ring in the woods somewhere. We might have a Silent Hill reboot remake happening. You got Resident Evil 8 with your tall vampire ladies giving you goosebumps. Everything is happening, man. You just got to give it time. Next, Joel says, I think the lack of anything major in the show is just another result of Sony going third party. No need to show big new games for PlayStation 5 when they know they won't be making hardware much longer. So you're saying that the reason why Sony sucks is because they're not making any good games, but then you're saying that they should go third party and only and focus they- on making... <laughs> 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 like, what does the hardware have to do with this presentation at all? <laughs> they're not showing off their game because they're transitioning... To just making games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Astral says, this was kind of disappointing. Not nearly as bad as the Nintendo Direct, though. Hit <laughs> 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 you with that DJ Clue laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, shit. Nextroll says, the best thing about this state of play was that Sony can't possibly do any worse. Or can they? <laughs> Sadly, I think they still can. <laughs> Was this really the worst showing that Sony ever had? Is that what we're trying to suggest here? I feel like there have been other state of plays where we were like, oh, they didn't show us anything. Like, <laughs> I mean, how about the first state of play? <laughs> when it was like nothing but VR. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> how did everybody just forget that yeah and then even then it wasn't bad like people are making it seem like they showed bad games just because they didn't show what you wanted to see or didn't show anything that you were personally interested in that doesn't mean what they showed was bad it doesn't mean their showing was bad we gotta stop using such extreme hyperbole and learn how to articulate within a range a spectrum like yeah it wasn't the best it wasn't the worst it was a good show showed some new stuff looks interesting at least they're working on new shit <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> come on <laughs> like, god damn people complain about sequels people complain about spinoffs people complain about remasters people complain about remakes where is the originality where's the creativity show you new ip after new ip after new ip like the only thing the only thing in that show that wasn't a new ip was like the final fantasy 7 remake because it's based on another game and even then it's an original take on that game so it is new and what crash bandicoot and everything else was just 
new IP, new IP, new IP, new IP. <laughs> but whatever. Okay. Next troll says, on a day where Sony should have shined, they instead crashed and burned. Sony managed to self-sabotage themselves with the worst ever state of play. Worst ever. Worst ever. Let me see. Incredibly boring. I would be furious if I was a PS5 owner. You're stuck with that massive behemoth console and all you have to show for it is a PS3 game and PS4 DLC. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Since November, we're to believe that the only products that are playable on the PS5 are the Demon Souls remake and the Final Fantasy VII remake Intergrade UV DLC. Is that, that what I'm hearing? Because we got enhanced versions of PS4 games playing on the PS5. We can play our PS4 games on PS5 anyway through backward compatibility and get the benefits of the hardware to improve the experience. And you know, performance-wise, resolution-wise, who knows? Some people know. We got games that have already come out for the system. We got games that are coming out for the system, and the hits just keep on rolling. So let's not try to boil this down to two games. That's <laughs> if they're the only thing. Next show says, I guess not having a PS5 isn't much of an issue anymore. <laughs> for you, sir, it never was an issue. Don't get one. You don't deserve it. Uh, and the final troll <laughs> with the kitty in the back. Last troll says, at least we can all agree this event was the worst one Sony could ever come with. No, you're alone on that one, buddy. Well, not entirely. You got all these other crabs in the bucket pulling you down, trying to be the top, the top troll, but you're all a bunch of losers. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to let Kitty in the room because he was <laughs> he was losing his shit out there. <laughs> He's trying to get in on this hot discussion. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to. I got something to say about that direct. <laughs> yeah. I'm mad they didn't show more footage of Stray. Yeah, <laughs> want to play that with my Xbox adaptive controller. Where's the untitled Kitty game? What? <laughs> um, yeah, that would be absurd. Yes. Knocking shit over. over. (laughs) (laughs) Chasing lasers, sunspots. (laughs) Attacking you and then running. (laughs) Yeah, like being a nuisance. (laughs) (laughs) Getting out the house and not coming back. Evading. (laughs) Evading being. Like, get out the house. Make everybody worry about you. Go back in the house. Leave, leave a dead mouse on the on the doorstep of the and owner. Bringing gifts, scare, scare owner. <laughs> Eating plants. Yeah. <laughs> Cough of hairball. <laughs> oh, is that gosh. is that a mini game or do we take control away from the player to make them cough up the hairball? Like make, think, ooh, make it button mashing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh gosh. Jesus, yeah, y'all trolls. <laughs> y'all just crabs in the bucket. <laughs> um, Pulling each other down, getting going nowhere fast. Yeah, nobody can do anything good. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, don't get a PS5 or sell your PS5 because you don't need it. You don't appreciate it. You shouldn't have got it in the first place. Yes. 
All right, let's uh, stay with PlayStation in our next topic of the week. Topic of the week. Oh, we got news. People are wondering what's up with the state of VR. Is Sony still supporting their peripherals because they never support their peripherals? Well, guess what, A-Dub? We got news on a next-gen VR headset for the PlayStation 5. What? Uh, uh, so this coming by way of the PlayStation blog. We're taking what we've learned since launching PSVR on PS4 to develop a next-gen VR system that enhances everything from resolution to field of view to tracking and input. It will connect to PS5 with a single cord to simplify setup and improve ease of use while enabling a high-fidelity visual experience. One of the innovations we're excited about in our new VR controller, which will incorporate some of the key features found in the DualSense wireless controller, along with a focus on great ergonomics. There's still a, uh, there's still a lot of development underway for our new VR system, so it won't be launching in 2021. Uh, but we wanted to provide this early update to our fans as the development community has started to work on creating new worlds for you to explore in virtual reality. Uh, so yeah, fans of PSVR on the PS4 can look forward to upgrading their headset and hopping on that PS5, also getting, as they mentioned, a VR controller. So I'm guessing this might be them finally stepping away from the move sticks. They're actually going to put dedicated controllers with the PSVR. Um, and yeah, uh, like I heard some criticism of this and that like, they're like, why did they announce this like this? Yada, yada, yada. And what I take from this is that they decided to announce this in a blog post or in, in an interview because I figured they didn't want to take any of the steam away from or any of the uh, attention away from the PS5. As I said, it's not coming out this year. So what's the point of doing a whole a big showcase of the uh, new PSVR headset if we're not going to be seeing it for a while? And then on top of that, too, um, you know, they just like they want to give this time to breathe. And they sent out these dev kits already to developers. So it was going to leak one way or another. So why not get ahead of it and do this story? Um, well, how about you, A-Dub? Um, I know we, we both didn't get PSVR headsets. And thinking of this uh, objectively, not subjectively, uh, what do you think the state of like PSVR is as far as um, the audience that it's reaching, trying to reach a, a, a bigger audience? What do you think is going on here? With this peripheral well i mean psvr has already reached a few million people at least four i'm guessing maybe five possibly six but it, the official number i heard at least was four mm -hmm. so you know it doesn't sound like a lot of people but it really is especially when it's well those enough to make a new headset i'd say exactly well enough to make a new headset well enough to more than likely have greater sales performance at the launch of that new headset because now you have an audience that has experienced that and wants a better version of it who wants to play their existing vr games with the benefits of the playstation 5 on top of the benefits of the psvr 2 headset and then just preparing themselves for the future of vr like you were alluding to before you dropped the the topic of the week is that 
Sony gets a rap for not supporting their peripherals. Sony gets a rap for, you know, just, oh, they did it on PS4. They're not going to, it's not going to be backward compatible. Oh, it's not going to be this. <laughs> it's like, and it was interesting to me because when they did put out the list of the games that don't work with backward compatibility, it wasn't full of the entire library of VR. So that should have been your first sign there that they were at least going to continue supporting their existing VR format as it was. But now we're getting a new headset. Uh, uh, the big thing is that single cord because as some of you might know, PSVR, I believe it took up two USB sockets and it, it was like dongles and cables everywhere. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was quite the experience. I mean, I didn't have one, but I've worn one, tried it out. I've seen, I've seen the setup. It wasn't something that was logistically attractive to me for my own living space. And, you know, there just wasn't anything for VR that I was particularly interested in experiencing. So it didn't pique my interest. However, we have a generation, a successful generation of VR hardware behind us. Now we're looking at the second generation of VR as a, as a growing standard in the PlayStation ecosystem. So here's hoping that with the work that's been done on the games for the last headset, that the games coming for the new headset will go even further while standing on their shoulders. So I'm very optimistic about it. We've seen the things that VR does well. We've seen things that don't translate well, and we've seen things that need to be done right in order for it to be that minimum quality experience that people expect from this kind of peripheral. So I, honestly, I can, I can only see VR going up from here. Um, among the complaints about PSVR was that the screens were low resolution and, prop and I believe didn't have high enough refresh rate. So they look to be remedying that with their higher resolution output. Which will cut down on some of the motion sickness that people were worried about. Exactly. And then now we just have to worry about them like ramming their heads through walls and going through glass doors <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's going to be too real AFC. <laughs> Um, oh, like I said, long story short, I'm very optimistic about PSVR. I still have no plans whatsoever of getting one in one way or another. If it's given to me, that'll be another issue. Wink, wink, hint, hint. But, you know, I'm still big TV, controller, couch, snacks, booze. <laughs> that's, that's my experience. Yeah, it'd be interesting to me to see... Um, because with the uh, the PSVR, as far as like IP, um, like brand, like big PlayStation family brands, uh, I just remember Until Dawn and maybe another game. But um, it would be interesting to see if now with this next generation of PSVR, if they decide to go the route of doing a Horizon Zero Dawn or a God of War uh, style VR game um, or at least something of that world and then putting that into VR. It'd be interesting to see if they'll dip into those brands in order to maybe bolster it a little bit more. Um, and like, especially with a franchise that PlayStation PlayStation uh, fans are more familiar with and more, uh, I'm going to say more excited about, who knows? They had their, their success with, uh, what was it, Astrobot? I'm, you can guarantee we'll be seeing more of that. But yeah, yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see if they dip into those uh, IPs um, to get people to maybe be a little more interested in PSVR. Well, see, what you seem to be suggesting is something that would set the foundation for future Trolls of the Week. Because you know <laughs> how people are guarded and protected about 
their IPs once they're established. Like Horizon is an open world third person action adventure game. It needs to stay that because <laughs> God of War, they they went a little more realistic. They went a little more The Last of Us on us and people had shit to say. <laughs> so it was a big deal. They and ended up making easily the best God of War of all time. And, mm-hmm. You know. And uh and we saw like to see it. We saw with what was it Half-Life Alex uh, when they first announced it, like, oh, the next Half-Life game will be a VR, VR game. People were like, <laughs> what the hell? And then it came out and everybody loved it. I think believe it got like a nine. Um, great reviews. This all is around. what VR is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, it became that. And so yeah, you never know if um if if it's the the proper care is put into the game, like what it can turn out to be. But yeah, that that Half Life Alex is the one that kind of caught people off guard as far as like what a VR experience could be and what what it might need to be. <laughs> I would like to see existing IPs being taken on in VR in a unique way, like God of War, like you said. I'd like it if, depending on the orientation of the wand and how you swing it, you can do different combos and moves from throw Kratos' axe. arsenal. Throw catch the, the axe, axe. Catch the, <laughs> and with the adaptive <laughs> triggers, like so. Damn! So you could throw it, and like the feeling of the control can feel like something left your hand, and then you pull it back, and it you feel it like vibrating in your hand as it comes back and it, it has that impact in your hand that would be nuts dude yeah <laughs> horizon zero dawn you can feel the tension of the, of the bow as you pull it back yeah you gotta pull like the one of the controllers back i love it should we get into the next topic of the week top topic of the week uh interesting connection because you mentioned astrobot a little bit earlier and this is going to seem like it's completely unrelated but i'm going to tie it up for you at the end with this topic of the week top Uh, topic of the week so playstation confirms that japan studio will be reorganized so this kind of hit a lot of people in the chest uh sony japan studio you may know them from their work on you know, working with From Software on Bloodborne, uh, there's The Last Guardian, there's also Gravity Rush, you know, some pretty high quality, innovative products. And this news came out recently that they're going to be reorganized. A lot of people thought they were being shut down, but here's a full statement from Japan Studio by way of IGN. So in an effort to further strengthen business operations, Sony Interactive Entertainment can confirm PlayStation Studios Japan Studio will be reorganized into a new organization on April 1st. Japan Studio will be recentered to Team ASOBI or Asobi, I guess. I haven't heard of them. However, they are the creative team behind Astro's Playroom allowing the team to focus on a single vision and build on the popularity of Azure's Playroom. In addition, the roles of external production, software, localization, and IP management of Japan Studio titles will be concentrated within the global functions of PlayStation Studios. So while there won't necessarily be a Japan Studio anymore, that talent is being absorbed more, more closely into the PlayStation Studios collective 
I guess you could call it, or the, yeah, the PlayStation Studios brand. So yeah, it it doesn't. It's not like Japan Studios is done. Everybody leave. It's okay. Japan Studio. It's almost like it. It suggests to me it's similar to the Ice Team at Naughty Dog. So the Ice Team is, is the group of engineers that most intimately knows the inner workings of the PlayStation consoles, the PS3, the PS4, and now the PS5. They help all the first party studios to get the most out of the console and to really take their games to the next level. So it sounds like the personnel at Sony Japan are being integrated into the PlayStation Studios brand more closely in a manner similar to how the ICE team is embedded in Naughty Dog. Uh, AMC, how do you feel about this news? Mm, um, no problem with restructuring. It'll be interesting to see um, how this turns out um, as far as uh, what games come from this. Um, but yeah, I, I have no issues with this. Um, whenever there's some type of like organizational shake, shake up, um, I don't immediately go negative because I'm sure they did the math and decided this is a better way to structure um this group and so yeah i it's, it's a wait and see situation um so yeah i I, don't, I can't really say much about this but it seems like they've had their success so why not focus that success into yeah. future success <laughs> whatever is the reason it's not a spur of the moment decision like this is something pretty big and it's something that they probably are doing in order to adjust to whatever market conditions that govern their actions and decision-making. So we'll see what happens here. Hopefully it's something good. Sony Japan, we will miss you, but we will feel your influence in future products to come. Yes, sir. Let's get into our next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Um, you know what? I'll take this one. Oh. This is my <laughs> last topic. This is, um, we got a Twisted Metal show on the way, A-Dub. Um, so there have been rumors that Twisted Metal, that Sony was interested in making a, a Twisted Metal show, but now it is official. This coming by way of Variety, a live action series adaptation of the Twisted Metal PlayStation game franchise is officially moving forward. Variety has learned the new series is described as an action comedy based on an original take by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the writers behind the Deadpool films in Zombieland. A-Dub, you're going to want to listen to this part. I'm listening. Michael Jonathan Smith, the Michael Jonathan Smith, who most recently wrote for and produced Cobra Kai, will write and executive produce the series. (laughs) Uh, Now, when you said that name, because I, I, as much as I love Cobra Kai, I don't know the creative element of it by name uh-huh. when you said that i couldn't help but be reminded of that episode of rick and morty when they're watching dimensional cable and the the trailer comes on for jan michael smith is <laughs> jan michael smith <laughs> <laughs> the michael jonathan smith <laughs> yeah. oh uh, lord yeah so this this team already or this show already has a great team behind it we got the people who worked on deadpool we got uh, the dude behind Cobra Kai coming in, uh, executive producing this. Um, here are some details on what will act, the show will be about. The show is about uh, 
Motormouth outsider who is offered a chance at a better life, but only if he can successfully deliver a mysterious package across a post-apocalyptic wasteland. With the help of a trigger-happy car thief, he'll face savage marauders driving vehicles of destruction and other dangers of the open road, including a deranged clown whom fans of the game will know as Sweet Sweet Tooth. Yeah, Twisted Metal Show on the way. Seems like we got a good team behind it. Who knows how it'll turn out, but already off to a good start as far as I'm concerned. If you got Cobra Kai somehow connected to it. <laughs> so I imagine that it's not going to be something that they're going to try to run for too long because motherfuckers got to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that it's a comedy. It just the whole thought I'm having is, are they going to do it where, like, you blow somebody up, but they don't die? <laughs> Yeah, they just they blow just, up and they fly out of the car. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're like burned to a crisp, but they're still 100% intact and functioning. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like missing an arm, they come back, yeah, I got a robot arm now. I mean, like the way it's <laughs> described, it sounds like part like Mad Max, but in the world of Twisted Metal. <laughs> Which is hot as yeah. hell. Like you could get a couple seasons out of that easily if you, if you rein in the death. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) or if you pad it out with a bunch of like faceless death before you get to key deaths exactly and then sweet tooth is going they better get somebody good for sweet tooth because that actor needs to be just a a force of nature whenever the camera's on them and just like and we want the jack sweet tooth like just some dude who's just just swole out of his mind (laughs) like mountain swole not not weho swole (laughs) (laughs) like the kind the kind of swole you could build a family on exactly (laughs) (laughs) like still thick in the core yeah exactly muscular (laughs) like like a a marlon brando from the original streetcar named desire (laughs) with the white feeder (laughs) yes (laughs) yes Uh, what you guys awesome just another sony property that's making the crossover from the video game realm to the film and television realm i mean we got the uncharted movie coming uh Damn. We got, we got the last of us. Last of us. <laughs> Neil Druckmann. Oh my God. Oh, they call it Neil Druckmann's The Last of Us. <laughs> Written and directed by Neil Druckmann. <laughs> Special guest, Hideo Kojima. <laughs> Hideo Kojima's Joel. <laughs> Jeff Keeley's Okay, I'll get serious again. <laughs> oh, do we, we got time for some quick hits? Yes, sir. Oh, man. All right, quick hit number one. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, quick hit 1A, and then there's quick hit 1B. 1A, I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Don't shoot the messenger. But EA and Bioware have announced that development on Anthem has ceased. Anthem Next has been canceled. And Bioware is going to shift their focus to developing the next Dragon Age as well as the next Mass Effect. So as you guys as you guys know, Anthem came out to a, I'll say, mixed reception. <laughs> there are people who continue to support it after its launch. There are people who considered it dead on arrival, and there are those caught in between who wanted to like the game, but it just didn't do enough for them to either 
bring them in or keep them around. Uh, Bioware was busy overhauling the game for their Anthem 2.0 update titled Anthem Next. This development went on for it, at least, I don't even know when it started, but it's been at least a year. But unfortunately, we come to find out that there will not be an Anthem Next. Uh, let me get a quote here. Saying 2020 was a year unlike any other. However, and while we continue to make progress against all our game projects at Bioware, working from home during this pandemic has had an impact on our productivity and not everything we had planned as a studio before COVID-19 could be accomplished without putting undue stress on our teams. I know this will be disappointing to the community of Anthem players who have been excited to see the improvements we've been working on. It's also disappointing for the team who are doing brilliant. And for me personally, Anthem is what brought me to Bioware in the last two years have been some of the most challenging and rewarding experiences of my career. Game development is hard. Decisions like these are not easy. Moving forward, we need to laser focus our efforts as a studio and strengthen the next Dragon Age and Mass Effect titles while continuing to provide quality updates to Star Wars, the Old Republic. Yeah, this makes sense. Um... Yeah, this is coming from executive producer Christian Daly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and- yeah, it makes sense. Um, we already discussed like the um, very, the <laughs> very uh, not even lukewarm, just cold reception of this game. Um, but then on top of that, with the you know the announcement of Anthem next, um, I think the big impact here is that why carry this game into next gen? Um, if this was say earlier in the generation when they release Anthem um, in the earlier in the PS4 generation and we were still in that generation, it makes sense maybe to try to support it to see if you can like get an audience back into it. But we're moving into PS5. Why carry this with you into next gen? And so there would have been, there probably would have had to do next gen upgrades for the game and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just more sunk costs in a game that's already struggling. So at this point, it does make sense to just kind of let it go um, because there's no reason to, you know, continue that negativity into a fresh, a fresh new generation of gaming. And I, I kind of appreciate the Anthem situation because it puts into public focus something that happens behind the scenes all the time that most gamers don't really understand is that the games that get announced and released are just the games that we know about. Like there's a bunch of other games behind the scenes that are being worked on and just aren't shaping up the way that these developers and publishers hope and they just cancel them, but internally because we don't even know they exist. Like for instance, uh, when, when Star Wars Fallen Order was announced, it also came along with the news that like there was another Star Wars game that was canceled internally, which brought that to like two Star Wars games at that point, because there was the Amy Hennig ragtag Star Wars game that they pulled the plug on. And I believe there was another Star Wars game they were working on that, that didn't work out. And then now we had, and then we got to Jedi Fallen Order, which did come out and was an excellent game. So thank you, Respawn, for that. Um, yeah, this time the game was being worked on in front of our eyes in order for them to try to bring it up to the standard that they hoped it could attain, and it just didn't work out. So they had to pull the plug. Like, this happens all the time. This is game development. This, I mean, 
when God of War 2018 came out, it was only after Sony Santa Monica had already scrapped another game they had been working on, which was more Destiny-like. So it, this type of thing isn't new or strange, but people look at it as, oh, EA strangling the creativity out of these developers, killing Bioware, RIP, like all that stuff when it's, they're obviously trying, they're putting in the effort. It isn't like they're just, they're just sitting on these developers and not letting them do anything. They're trying to make original projects. They're trying to make licensed projects. They're trying to make good quality stuff. Like they don't want to kill a developer. Why would you buy something and then kill it? They're it's trying also, to make them successful and make good products. And it's also a, a genre of gaming that a part of the community does not want to see succeed, no matter what. Like, you could look at De Destiny, I would say is, I would say, I wouldn't even say arguably, it, it is the most successful live service game of uh, the PS4 generation. And that was a game that had a ton of negativity surrounding it till this day, and yet people still play the shit of that game, play the shit out of that Non-stop. game. Stop. Yeah, they're still updating it. It's gone free to play. They got expansions coming, yada yada. And people will, no matter what, will never give credit to a live service game because they just hate the idea of those style of games. So I mean, I don't fault EA or any developer for or EA or any publisher for trying to you know, take a shot at live service style of gaming. Um, they're not making those games just because they're big cash grabs and yada, 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 and they can just rake in all the dough. Um, it's a genre of gaming that appeals to people. People like to play together multiplayer wise and um, co-op. And so, yeah, this is, these games have their merits. It's just, there are people who only see these games as taking away from single player and the death of single player, which everybody was trying to prophesize last generation. <laughs> yeah. Only for it to just spring into new vibrant life like never before. Exactly. <laughs> um, but that was just quick hit 1A. 1B follows up on the bit about them being able to focus on their other properties because EA also made a statement saying Dragon Age will reportedly be a single player RPG with no multiplayer. This news comes a day after the cancellation of Anthem Next. They're learning their lessons. They <laughs> They're listening to us. We, we're right. We did it, guys. Yeah, we did it. By the way, Mass Effect Andromeda was a single-player game, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a very solid Mass Effect game. I, I feel so bad for Andromeda because... It was, it had to follow up Mass Effect 3 when everybody decided to turn on Bioware and the Mass Effect franchise. It didn't deal with Shepard, so it's the bastard child of the Mass Effect franchise. The SJW trolls were at their fever pitch. <laughs> like, just <laughs> anything that, any game that didn't have a hot woman, there's a reason to complain online. Yeah, and then they put out the demo of the first 10 hours and then what few bugs and glitches were in there were made into montages and memes in order to just skew negative public opinion to sink the game when the whole time you have a new Mass Effect game with new characters in a new galaxy with solid gameplay and tons of content. Mm -hmm. Like... 
I look at Mass Effect Andromeda not as a continuation of the Mass Effect trilogy, but kind of as a spinoff or a new, not even, not even a reboot. Like it's a new beginning for a different Mass Effect story. It's something that's more, a little more lighthearted. And it was, I don't know, it was just different. It was fun to me. I ran into a bug where I can't turn into mission. So at some point I'm going to restart my game, but I was having a blast. They've since patched it to, you know, fix some of the performance issues, fix some of the bugs. I'm hoping they fix the one that I ran into and just have to play a new game. We'll see. But, you know, now, you know, EA's always been in this corner where people are ragging on them for saying single player games are dead, are dead as far as their concern or their perspective goes. So they put out Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, people showed up and they see that, okay, people want single player games, I guess. I guess we can, we can kind of make money this way. So they're coming back to it, which is great. This is, it sounds bad where oh it's gonna be a single player game after they canceled Anthem Next. It's like, yeah, exactly. They learned. They're changing pace. They're trying to work with us and they're trying to listen to the criticism. So, you know, you don't have to you don't have to praise them and bow down, but you know, give them a little pat on the back, like, okay, you're going in the right direction. Let's see how this turns out. AMC, how do you feel? Um yeah, I I agree with it. the idea as far as um, getting away from multiplayer. I think that's a good thing. But um, I also, yeah, I was never a big proponent of like, oh, multiplayer is killing single player. Like, single the multiplayer is more expensive. Like to develop for a game, um, yeah, just because there's so many it. factors. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. Fa- you got to maintain it. There's so many factors as far as number of players within a world. How 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 smooth it'll run, uh, the latency, yeah, all that baby. crap. Um, so yeah, there's so much going on there that like, it never really made sense when people were like, Oh, RIP single player. Cause that it's, it's one publisher happens to be a big publisher, but it's one publisher that's doing multiplayer games. And they assume that that EA is some, anything that EA does is somehow going to influence the entire industry. <laughs> uh, every, every game. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's looking at EA and learning how to make video games. Um, game. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's always something that was blown out of proportion. I am looking forward to whatever the next Dragon Age game is. Dragon Age Inquisition didn't play it, but the people who I knew, the people I knew who played it, loved it, um, and I can't wait to see what a next gen version of Dragon Age might look like. And the fact that it's not coming out in the first year of PlayStation gives me hope that um, it might take even more advantage of the uh, console, and we'll see what that looks like as a true next gen version of Dragon Age. I think EA has reached the point with their with their public perception as well as their like critical commercial reception where they're like okay let's let's try to let's try to ease up a bit let's try to do this different i think they're really focusing on trying to make these games the best they can be instead of just making these games i mean they've been getting by for a good while just making games and some of them some of them are definitely better than others i mean respawn basically gets that operate somewhat independently from EA or at least not have such pressure 
or influence from it that they can put out exactly what they want to put out. And of course, Respawn ends up being one of their more successful studios that puts it, they put out games that people enjoy consistently, whether it's a, a free to play game like Apex Legends or it's a open world souls like, like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, or whether it's a first person shooter like the Titanfall franchise. So maybe they're seeing that and not only seeing that, but seeing how Respawn is growing in their success they're like okay let's let's see what happens if we let other studios do that and just let them put out something when they're ready to put it out amc yes sir yeah i mean i i agree with that um i think also i would add that the the failures of bioware weren't necessarily ea's fault like the ending of mass effect 3 had nothing to do with uh, some accountant at EA saying, "Hey, I think you should change up the ending of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, like that was a pure, cre- <laughs> yeah, that was a pure creative choice, and gamers just didn't like that. That's not EA's fault. Um, and then, yeah, like that bled into Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm not sure if that's also EA's fault. Uh, the way that I guess people reacted to that game. So, um, like, I, I do hear there there are some things that EA's done. I just think in general, last generation, they're just certain things that developers and publishers tested out as far as trying to monetize their games that people just reacted very negatively towards. And those things are now, now have been pushed out for the most part. Um, And so EA was always going to take a hit, but I mean, as we've, as you've said plenty of times, they have like publishers and developers have to figure out, other ways to make money off of their games that don't involve just putting out a completely brand new game uh and so yeah i i i skipped those games that people had issues with that had like the loot boxes or microtransactions or whatever but i don't fault them for trying to figure out how to make more money off of their games and the people reacted as they did and they did the smart thing and they've now adapted to those negative reactions. And so if anything, it shows me that it's a company that's learning from mistakes from the previous generation and will hopefully carry what success they had in the last generation over into the next generation. But I think regardless, people, no matter what, they're going to look at EA, they're going to look at Activision and they're going to hate them, even though they continually put out the most successful games every year which is call of duty madden and and so on fifa um so yeah um shit on them hate on them but they have they're successful for a reason they got overwatch 2 diablo 4 and diablo 2 remaster on the way yeah (laughs) all highly anticipated exactly (laughs) Uh, any other quick hits before we get out of here grand Turismo 7 has been delayed into 2022 oh So that gives Microsoft a little more time to make my Series X (laughs) because once Gran Turismo comes out, if I don't have a Series X, I'm not getting a Series X. (laughs) Yeah. I only need one high-quality racing game. I want it to be Forza and Forza Horizon. But if Gran Turismo comes around, it's going to be Gran Turismo. Yes, sir. Step on it, Phil Spencer. (laughs) Uh, Next quick hit, Cyberpunk 2077. So you guys know back in January, we got the first of two big patches that they announced for the first two months of 2021. And yours truly was patiently waiting out 
The second major patch that was supposed to come this month, I say was because it isn't, because what it is, is coming later. Yes, the patch for Cyberpunk 2077, the February 2021 patch has been delayed. Uh, according to CD Projekt Red, this is as a result of the recent cyber attack where their source code was stolen and auctioned off to an unnamed party. AMC, how do I feel about this? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty sure you don't, you, you don't care. <laughs> so when the game's good, let, let, let A-Dub know and then you'll hop back into that world. <laughs> I, I 100% do care, but only because it's like, I want to go back to playing that game. I just don't want to do it without both major updates. And like, I'm surprised at this point you're just not waiting for the PS for yourself to get a PS5, and then you'll hop back into that game. PS5, and then a, there's a rumor that there's going to be like an even bigger patch later in the year. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's whatever. I got Curse of the Dead Gods. I got Dead Sky Derelicts. I curse got, of the Necromancer. Got curse, of, <laughs> got curse of the Necrodancer. I didn't even beat the first level of that, I don't think. I I have I'm growing my backlog. I still have the final fight in Divinity 2. I still have the lion share of Bioshock Infinite. Uh, man, it, I could go on with all the games that I want. I mean Fallout 4, Bloodborne, Mass Effect, Andromeda, all this shit. So it's okay. Cyberpunk is just another game that's going to be in that pile until, you know, CD Projekt Red follows through on what they're supposed to do. At the same token, I can't help but be somewhat upset at gamers because they, you guys demanded this game come out when it was getting delayed again and again and again. It comes out. It's not in the shape that it should be. And then suddenly somebody hacks them and steals their intellectual property and sells it. So now instead of them focusing on getting the game where it's supposed to be, they now have to spend their time and resources improving the cybersecurity of their company. So it's mildly, I don't want to say ironic given the the subject matter of cyberpunk and your capabilities of being able to hack through people's cybersecurity and things like that. But it like, come on guys. You can't send these, you can't send these like mixed messages and then behave in these wildly polar opposite manners. Like, either let them make the game or take them down, but you can't take them down and expect them to make the game at the same time. It doesn't work like that. So, I think everybody just needs to relax. Let them do what they do, and if they get it right, they get it right. If they don't, they don't. Just, you know, be more cautious on the next one if it means that much to you. But don't resort to theft. That's just silly. Corporate terrorism. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Let's see. Last quick hit. Can, can we do PlayStation games? Yeah, PlayStation Plus play games for March? Yes, sir. Give them with that outro. The last topic of the week. Last Top topic, topic of, of the week. <laughs> Got the PlayStation Plus games for March 2021. I'll save the big one for last. I will start with the little one for first. Farpoint VR. We also have Remnant from the Ashes. It's an interesting little Souls-like game. I've heard good things about it. I might give it a shot. We have Maquette. 
may sound weird, may not sound familiar, but we were shown this game in a previous Sony State of Play. It's a puzzler. It's It reminds me immediately of The Witness, Jonathan Blow's game, outstanding, got that platinum. Uh, it's the game, like, you're in you're in a city or a town or a kingdom or whatever. You're in an area, and the area is surrounded by a big circular wall, and in the center of the area you're in is a small version of the area you're in. As you move and affect things within your area, those smaller representation of those items within that smaller area are affected as well. Uh, this allows you to do some interesting puzzle solving where you're moving objects in the bigger world or you're moving objects in the smaller world so that they are moved in the bigger world. So for instance, if you're looking at maybe a giant stone block that's blocking a pathway with no way for you to possibly move it, you move it on the smaller little, little model and then it's moved in your world and you have greater access to things around you to solve more puzzles and things like that. You can even set it up to where you can walk outside of your gate into an even larger version of the world where the version of the world you were just in is now the model in the bigger world. It's trippy as hell. And I definitely will add that to my library. Don't know when I'll get to it because honestly, The Witness, it was a beautifully put together game. I loved it, got the platinum. I never want to play anything that mentally stressful ever <laughs> because the witness like i feel like it was teaching me a language and it would not tolerate me not knowing exactly every single mechanic of that language which eventually i learned because i wouldn't have been able to finish it otherwise oh my god just thinking about it is stressing the bug out but the last game the big game the somewhat controversial game, the PlayStation Plus games, March 2021, Final Fantasy VII Remake, AMC, how angry are you? Oh, yeah, I know. I already bought this game, so I, I feel like I'm fucked up. They should have, Square Enix should have said something before I bought this game. You AMC bought it on like, sale? Did they put it on sale before they gave it out for free? AMC? Yeah, they, they misled me, eh, duh. I was just trying <laughs> to get me to spend my money. Yeah. Now you get it. <laughs> See, it's like, what are people mad for? Are they mad because they spent money on it? Or are they mad because somebody else doesn't have to spend money on yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad that I supported a developer for making a game that I wanted. <laughs> so I, I know what you're probably thinking. Oh, cool. Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'll download that. I'll upgrade to the PS5 version. I'll play my Yuffie DLC. And we'll tell you to slow down, Wayne. Because... It doesn't exactly work like that. You see, according to Sony, it's just the PS4 version. So you cannot get this on PS Plus and then upgrade to the PS5 version for free and then get your UV DLC. No. If you want to get that PS5 version and then UV DLC, you need to either purchase a PS4 copy of the game that can be upgraded or you need to purchase the PS5 version of the game Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. <laughs> enjoy, so, those, enjoy those muddy textures on the PS4. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do do these trolls of the week, but I'm sure they're probably already torn each other to pieces by now. It's just two torsos pulling on each other out there. Yeah, so, yeah man. So whatever. 
great games if you want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake and don't care much for continuing the saga on PlayStation 5, then you might be interested in this. However, if you do have plans of wanting to play future parts and it's very important to you to have your experience on one console, you might want to hold your horses. You might want to get your, get your affairs AMC, how do you feel about the PS Plus games from March? Uh, I mean, fucking Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game that came out last year being mm-hmm. on PS Plus for March, that is a major deal, value buy. Um, a so huge game. Yeah, and then Farpoint, by all accounts, was a pretty good VR game if you're a PSVR owner. So now you got that. Um, so yeah, I think this is actually a great... Back-to-back, we got Control last month, and we get mm. uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake this month. Can't really beat that. <laughs> so, and not uh, just Control, we got the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, exactly. Which was the only version of the game able to upgrade to the PS5 version for free. Yeah. So we got that for free. Which, which was awesome. a bit of a correction for people who were upset that bought the PS4 version and weren't going to get that free upgrade. <laughs> so can, can I can I have a conspiracy theory corner <laughs> real quick? Yes, sir. What you got? I think that Ultimate Edition wasn't selling and they wanted some more money. <laughs> <laughs> so they went on PS Plus, got that Sony money, and they let the fanboys get theirs. They let the ponies get a bone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure there was something there. Who knows? But yeah, I'm yeah, sure there's... Whatever. They went, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, my justice. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't give that game away for free unless there was something on the back end. So. <laughs> At least they, I got they, justice. I mean, I, I don't get to carry my save over, but I get to play one of my favorite games of all time from beginning to end with better visuals and better performance. So I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got anything else, AMC? I know you're out of topics. Nope. Uh, any final words, A-Dub? Final words. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, we're at we're at like I'm an hour good. forty. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is definitely a meaty, veiny episode. So yes. you can enjoy all all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC, and this is AMC. We are Control Issues. Thanks for playing. Suckers. Suckers.